Well, as Ben said, halfway through Lent. And what a merciful, what kind of a merciful pastor invites people up who are fasting (laughs) from glutens and then gives them a gift card to Panera Bread? What? How is that loving? Hope. (laughs) Yeah, Easter, Easter treat, Easter treat. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got my own little vert. And yesterday, my thing that I decided to try to deny myself so that I could have a spiritual gain from it was threatened by Cambodian noodles. And I just said, I, I gotta tell you, I just said, Lord, turn your back. <laughs> Even Jesus wouldn't say no to noodles like this. And the Nook Mom sauce, you know, the, the, the fit. <sighs> I just felt it was God's will for me to go ahead and fail uh, yesterday. (laughs) Our Father, who art in heaven, in response to the question, how should we then pray? By the way, there's a lot about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, isn't there? Like Jesus says, don't pray like the Pharisees do. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Don't pray to uh, bring self-aggrandizement. Don't pray to show how fancy your words are. Be sincere, be honest, be humble. Don't need to be seen and all this kind of stuff. And here's, here's some specifics about how I want my disciples to pray. And he's pretty straightforward, pretty simple. How should we then pray, Lord? How do you want us to pray, Rabbi? We're your followers. And he says, pray like this. Our heavenly Father, our Father who's in heaven, honored, hallowed, respected, awesome. By the way, that's the only place I think that word should really be used, because he's the only one full of awe, really. Awesome. Hallowed be. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come, as Jeff preached so well last week, your will be done. In other words, your will be done. There's this kingdom, this thing in us where we internally decide, hey, I'm going to find the agenda of God, the dream of God, the values of God, the practices Uh, that God promotes, and I'm going to choose to live them. And every time I make a choice to say, what is God's dream, God's preference in this moment, and then yield to it, I have, in effect, established his reign, at least in that moment, in that decision. And you just stack a bunch of those together, and the values of God become your values, and his kingdom, his reign, his rule, his leadership builds in you. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, the same way as is in as it is in heaven. So if, you're, if your will is restricted in heaven, then let it be restricted on earth. But so far as I'm concerned, I'm going to try to figure out what your agenda is, and I'm going to live into it. Your values and live into them. Your practices and practice them myself. As unrestricted here as that is in heaven. And then there is this often passed over quick phrase that I was assigned to preach today in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Matthew 6, 11. You'll also see it in Luke. And all sorts of things are happening in that text. You'd think that that's pretty simple. Give us this day our daily bread. Feed me today. Then I'll pray it again tomorrow. You feed me tomorrow. But it's actually a rather complex statement. When you think about this, what's translated daily bread would normally, in Greek, for instance, 
be put together the same way they would do it in Spanish. You have the noun and then you have the, the adjective. So it might most likely be formed like this. Give us our bread, the daily one. Literally, if you... Except they don't do that in this construct. There's a word that's actually very rarely used. We have four occurrences of it in any documents that we have, two of which are in the biblical documents in Matthew and Luke. And then they just recently, relatively speaking, found, I think, a grocery list in, in some uh, in, in a dig somewhere and uh, something else, you know, normal everyday stuff where that same word is used. You have four occurrences anywhere from any documents we have to try to figure out the meaning of that word that's here translated daily bread. It's a very, very rare word. And scholars have been arguing over that for a long, long time. Give us this day what? Some would say it means the bread today that we need for tomorrow. And no, it doesn't mean that. It means the bread we need for today. You go to the market and get all sorts of really complicated studies going on over this very simple verse that isn't quite so simple. Often passed over, yet really important. And I read it, I think of things like the manna from heaven. When Israel was wandering in the wilderness and was frustrated with the way food was being provided and they prayed to God, maybe not even the best form of prayer, they complained to God and he said, I got you covered. And you remember the story, those of you who, even people who haven't really dabbled in scripture much know this story sometimes, where daily, this daily bread, this manna came down uh, from heaven. It was like the Panera plane flew over, opened the door, it all fell out. Here's the deal with that manna though, if you remember, Israel could go and pick up what they needed for their family. It was like wafers. They pick it up, they bring it home, they eat it. But if they picked up any more than what they actually needed to sustain themselves for that day, it rotted. If they said, hmm, I am going to open a black market manna shop and I will pick up when no one's looking a little extra manna and then I'll sell it later on when everybody's all done eating theirs, it rotted. You only could pick up what you needed for that day and what you needed to sustain life for you and your family on that day and the rest went to waste. And then the next day there was more. It was replenished. I also think of give us this day our daily bread. I think of Jesus in the desert when he's being tempted. The Holy Spirit at one point led Jesus to the desert, to the wilderness, specifically to be tempted. Thank you very much. No, thank you, God. He's going to be tested. And Satan, who, by the way, is still a real, very real being seeking to destroy us, and we contend with him, and the Holy Spirit contends with him on our behalf, limits his power, and his power is significant even though it's limited. Many of us, if not all of us, have experienced some version of that brokenness that he authors. Hopefully you've also experienced the mercy that God offers and the sharp sword of his protective hand. Come, the Satan comes to Jesus, and one of the temptations is this, because Jesus has been fasting for a while, and not just from gluten. He hasn't been eating at all. And Satan knows that and wants to catch Jesus as his we, at his weakest. Sound familiar? And he says, hey, Jesus, Messiah, among other temptations. One of them was, see these stones? Why don't you turn these stones to bread? We can both eat. All your longings for food will be satisfied. That's nothing for you. 
That's nothing for you. Snap your finger, turn the stones to bread. Why should your stomach be growling when all this potential bread is around here? As a matter of fact, he might have implied, if not said, let's have some lamb. I mean, let's really go for a nice feast. And you remember what Jesus says in response? No, I choose to let my stomach growl. He says, huh, but man does not, human beings do not live by bread alone. There's more to daily nourishment than food. Food's important, but there's much more to it than food. And I think of that, among other things, when I see this text give us the seemingly insignificant, easily passed over, short portion of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, the temptation of Jesus. And how can you hear Jesus mention bread without thinking of what we do at least once a month here, right down here, we hold up the bread in the communion. And we remember the words of Jesus when he said, this bread is my body. And all eyes are on the bread, the loaf. And then he violently rips it and I was going to say sparks fly. Crumbs fly everywhere, but sparks been flying ever since he did it. He said, this bread that you just saw me destroy, that's actually my body, which is for you. And in every word he taught, with every opportunity, Jesus is saying, bread is important, but it takes more than bread to sustain life. We sang in one of our songs the idea that all what we really need is Jesus. We asked ourselves the question in one of those songs, why do we spend our money on food that is not bread? Figurative. You get it though? Not everything we labor for, we grasp for, we long for, we acquire for ourselves actually brings us life. Solomon was right. When it's all said and done, I tried to find meaning this way, left me wanting. I tried to find meaning this way, left me wanting. I dug every place there was dirt to dig and found no gold. At the very end of the book, so drastically different than everything else he had been writing or that he said in that book that some say that wasn't even Solomon. Somebody added that on later. They fixed his angst. I don't think so. At the end of the book, he said, here's what I've learned. (laughs) Look, just keep taking the next breath and follow God because everything is folly except that. I think of all sorts of things when I see that text, that portion of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. But that portion of the Lord's Prayer also sort of begs a question, doesn't it? Because the The teaching is actually this. Jesus could have put it this way. Pray about this issue of dependence. Are you aware that you are dependent? No matter how wealthy you feel, how well provided for you are, how poverty stricken you might feel, you are dependent. Every human being was created to be and lives most fully when they remember There's a debt, there's a provider, and I need this provider. I am a dependent person. Think of that theme of dependence when we recite that part of the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And all the things that are implied in that prayer. What's Jesus thinking? What's he really challenging us to remember? 
hey, how should we pray? And of all the things he could have noted, one of the very few things he says, focus on this, has to do with us depending upon our Father, our Heavenly Father, and recognizing that everything that we might have, every resource we might be able to put on the shelves comes from the hand of our Father. And Scripture other places reminds us that every good thing ultimately comes from God. I mean, think about it. The food you eat, which is sort of the obvious first level thought here, comes from God, really. Well, I worked hard for that food. Well, who gave you the hands? Who made sure that your mind could still work well enough to figure out how to earn a living? Who provided the air that you breathe? Who encouraged you along the way? Who made sure there was an education for you? Will you really think back to to the very foundation we're dependent? It's about dependence, and it begs this question. The question of dependence and its nemesis, self-sufficiency. Here's a question. According to how Jesus taught, especially in this prayer, is self-sufficiency, which is a virtue in American culture, I mean, Anybody in this room that could say, look, we made this investment, this investment, did this, did that, uh, uh, had this sociological or theolo- um, a theological investment, emotional investment, our, all of our children are strong and healthy and emotionally healthy, well-educated, well-equipped, uh, our cupboards are all full, we are okay, we are self-sufficient. That's applauded. You would be sort of stacked at the top of the list in terms of American culture. But my question is this, is self-sufficiency that we so easily and aggressively applaud, is it to Jesus, according to his teachings, a blessing or a curse? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing, a dangerous thing? And you'd think about answering, you'd think, well, self-sufficiency is the result of wisdom, wise decisions, right? So it's wisdom. It's a good thing. I mean, doesn't Jesus himself teach in Luke 14 things like, hey, if you're going to build a barn or a tower, uh, a grain storage, before you pound the first nail, make sure you've got the plans, the material, the help, everything all lined up and stacked and sitting over here so that all you have to do after you start is go get what you already planned for and you don't need to go knocking on your neighbor's door with hat in hand saying, hey, please, may I borrow some wood? Got any nails for me? I can't hold this. You've got to be sure that you can finish it before you start it. That's planning. That's self-sufficiency. You would think, yeah, that's a good thing. That's wisdom. Scripture teaches it. But the same teacher, later in Matthew chapter 6, by the way, says things like this. Hey, 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 man, don't worry about tomorrow. You guys are all worried about tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Today's got enough trouble of its own. Focus on today. Or as, uh, what's the, the, the coach at, um, like the football coach that I was coaching recently, they, they lost the ch- national championship game. What's that team? Alabama. Alabama. Who's the, what's his name? I forgot. Yeah, that guy. Pretty much my illustration has lost its force by now. But 
because it wasn't on the notes. He, he, he has this little saying he used that somebody was, some of his players was coaching him, and his players said, he'll say stuff like, boy, be where your feet are. And it's sort of like Jesus saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Be where your feet are, man. Focus on today. Self-sufficiency, that's almost unchristian. Which is it? Is it a blessing or is it a curse, an example of faithless foolishness? Of course, when you really look at the context, the the Luke text is talking about counting the cost, the barn illustration. Before you say a quick yes to following Jesus, listen to his teachings, teachings that the evangelical church has discarded long ago and would love to have them stay in the closet. Teachings like, Uh, excuse me, but unless you're willing to take up your cross, lay down your life, give your life to others and for others, and follow me, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. So, in light of that, think very carefully. Consider the cost. Make sure you have all the nails and all the planks before you start building. Otherwise, you're going to be embarrassed in the end. And then the the, uh, the teaching in Matthew later on in chapter 6 about don't worry about tomorrow, focus on today, that's really a prohibition, not against planning. It's a prohibition against fret. It's a prohibition against worrying. The emphasis is why worry about tomorrow since the Lord has you in his hands. So that's not saying don't plan for tomorrow. It's saying don't worry about tomorrow. But all of that, in light of all that, what's the answer to the question is, Self-sufficiency, an example of wisdom? Or is it a quick road to faithless foolishness where you don't depend upon God for your daily needs? Why would he say daily needs? Give us this day our daily needs if we already had planned ahead uh, for those needs. What's the answer to the question? Yeah, the answer is that this question is the wrong question. It misses the point entirely. Here's the right question. The right question I've already given to you. Are we aware of our dependence regardless of what we have in the cupboard? Regardless of what we have in our pocket? Regardless of what we have in our minds and in our hearts? Give us this day our daily bread. Is like Jesus saying, Pray that you will constantly be aware that you are dependent upon him to provide for you. And anything you have that, to which you have access, he gave to you. And no matter what you have, you're still in a position where you must rely on him. A few sermons ago, Pastor Ben reminded us of just how quickly things can go south. Because you realize, right, that Decades of excellent decisions can be undone by one hour of bad ones. No matter what we have, we have it from him, ultimately. He gives us the air we breathe. He gives us whatever it is that makes our brains work and think and reason and have logic. He gives us this thing called love in our hearts for our children. Somebody explained to me the chemical reactions that cause love. I have no idea. I know there are different levels of it. Like, I didn't know what love was. I thought I did until I met Brenda, and then I realized I didn't because this is different. 
And then I thought I knew what love was once I married Brenda and, and I had children, I realized that's that love, but there's a different kind of love that I've never felt before until I saw those little eyes saying to me things like, Daddy, give me my day, this day my daily bread, and it's on you forever now, you know? <laughs> and then I thought I knew what that was until I had grandchildren. There's nothing that touches my heart more. This is a little bit sick, but to see... My grandson, four-year-old grandson, Oliver, who doesn't like to keep his clothes on, he's walking around in his underwear half the time. You know, just his underwear. He gets in trouble, he's standing in the corner, and to see his, he's got his little boxers on, you know, and he's standing in the corner, and I walk around the corner, and there's this virtually naked kid with just boxers, a little bum hanging out there with his nose stuck in the corner, and some strange part of me says, I so love that kid. Look at how cute that is, he's standing in the corner, the other day, he stands in the corner, and he started, and his dad goes over to him, and he says, no dancing in the corner. <laughs> it's punishment. Get your nose in the corner, no dancing. And he's sounding really stern, but my son, my, grand, my son-in-law, Anthony, has no sternness in him. <laughs> he looks at me, and he's covering up, laughing, you know. <laughs> Oliver's standing there in the corner still, and he's a little after a little while. You know. Oliver, I said, no dancing in the corner. He said this, I swear to you, he said this. Oliver looked at his dad and said, I wasn't dancing, Dad. Dada, I was just concentrating with my feet. How could you not love that? <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. Dependence. The right question is, are we dependent? With our recognition of all we have or all we lack, is humility its partner? Are we aware that ultimately we rely upon God for each day's provision of all we need to sustain us, to sustain life, all we need? Not just bread, even though bread's important, food's important, all we need. We need friends. We need community. We need faith. We need to experience the presence of God once in a while. We need hope. We need trust. We need, we need power to be more than we otherwise could be, in addition to a good meal and plenty of water. Are we aware that we are dependent upon God to sustain us? God has sustained some of us, some of you, through things that before you experienced him carrying you along in them, would seem to you be, to be unsurvivable. And yet here you are. Are you aware that that's daily bread? That's the question. Are we aware that we are dependent? Regardless of our station in life or the resources we bring to the party called life, will we acknowledge that dependence is humility our constant partner, because that's the point Jesus is making. Give us this day our daily bread. You give it to us. We have nowhere else to go. It's like another song we sang. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, Lord. Give us what we need. So let me make a couple of observations about this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. And then we'll move on. By the way, we are not doing a crystal worship today. Those 
Those discs that are in your seats are something that I want you to go ahead and take hold of yours now. Anyway, hold it in your hand through this last portion of the message because we're going to use those somehow in a prayer experience we're about to have. (coughs) Pardon me. Our level of awareness of that dependence might be revealed in the words we emphasize when we're praying, give us this day our daily bread. You might be what I call desperately dependent. And for you, the most important word in that line is give. Not because you're selfish, but because you're in trouble, you're at risk. Lord, man, Lord, if you don't provide for me, I won't make it. I was not built to endure this. And we're not just talking about uh, uh, concrete things like food and rent money and to keep the heat on. This thing you've allowed into my life, I don't understand why you allow some of that stuff, but here it is. I can argue with you all day about how could a loving God, but here it is, baby. I am not equipped for this. I'm going down if you don't provide for me. And everything in between that and food. Sometimes when you're desperately dependent, desperately is a good word in Christian faith. It's that song I'm thinking of, you are the air I breathe. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Remember that? Desperate for you. Life's not making any sense and I am desperate for you. For you, the most important word in that prayer might be give. That's the word that strikes your heart, give us. Because there's so little to build on that if God doesn't give in some way, you just won't make it. In fact, right now you can't even imagine making it. Desperately dependent. It's a good place to be even when you get there because of absolutely terrible, terrible circumstances. Your parallel text might be from Matthew chapter 20 where there are these two blind beggars and he's leaving Jericho and this large crowd is around him. And the two blind beggars hear that Jesus is around and so they're yelling, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. And maybe that's your prayer. Oh God, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. There's not enough food, there's not enough hope, there's not enough strength. There aren't enough friends. There's not enough time. Have mercy on me. I'm desperately dependent. You might be what I'm calling today generously dependent. And for you, it's the second word in that prayer that touches your heart. The give us this day our daily bread. Jesus could have said, pray this way, Lord, give me my daily bread today, every day. But he didn't. It's a community prayer. Give us this day. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Generously dependent. Give us our daily bread. This is a prayer that recognizes, listen, I don't want just my daily bread. I have a concern for all of humankind. Give us our daily bread, Lord. It's generously dependent. If that's the word that strikes you, that, that's because you're in a position where you look around and you say, he's given me my daily bread, emotionally, educationally, financially, with food, with housing, whatever it might be. 
with intellectual property, whatever it might be. And I'm looking for a way to take care of or invest myself in the us of this. Lord, who is around me that has way more life than they have resources to address life? And how might you use me to be the answer to their prayers? What an honor that would be to have somebody pray to God who's desperately dependent. Oh, Lord, I'm not going to make it, please. Come through for me and have God look at all the world, all the different people in that person's life and say, ah, uh, my son Andrew. <laughs> my son Andrew is the answer to your prayer. Andrew, yeah. And say to all the angels, watch my son Andrew. Watch my son Andrew. He knows that this isn't us. He's generously dependent upon me. I think of the parallel text when Jesus is talking about the sheep and the goats. Remember that? And he says, man, proud of you people. You, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I didn't have clothes, I was naked and you clothed me. Why? Because you were generously dependent. You cared about the us. And then there's my category. Maybe some of you too. It's what I'm calling officially dependent, passively dependent, unwittingly dependent, involuntarily dependent, but not really. It, it, that prayer is, it's, there's a give us this day, and then give us this day, and then this prayer of this person like me, I confess, prays it sort of like this. There's no word emphasized. It's, I give us this day our daily bread, yada, 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 yada. On to the relevant prayer. What's next? Because I've never opened my cupboard and not had enough. I've never opened my refrigerator and not have had enough. I've never wanted to go to a school that wasn't made available to me, except when they rejected me. I'm more wealthy in friendships than anybody I know that has any other sort of wealth. At least I match it. Yada, 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 yada. I'm officially dependent. If you ask me, are you dependent upon God? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm dependent upon God. But there's, I'm not desperately dependent, and I'm certainly not generously dependent, where I'm saying, oh, you've been so good to me. How can I provide for somebody? It's just sort of I'm, I'm numb. You know, I'm that guy that's walking around, looking in the cupboards, finding food everywhere, and saying to my wife, man, there's nothing in this house to eat. And she can come and say, well, there's cheese, there's bread, there's mayonnaise, there's cereal, there's bacon, there's frozen this and that, frozen pizzas, there's, a, there's cans and cans of vegetables. Yeah. I'm the guy that says, yeah, but I'm not hungry for any of that. Do you know those who are officially dependent can actually become bored with God's extraordinary provision. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess he... And it's time for some confession to say, whoa, Lord, have mercy on me. Because I forgot that every good thing that comes into my life comes from your hand. I forgot. Maybe it's time to quit being bored with that prayer and be more and more aware, officially 
Dependent people are so used to the abundance of God's provision that they become blind to it. And I think of a text in Revelations chapter 3 when the Spirit of God is speaking to the Laodicean church. And he says this, because they're yawning with God's provision. This is a church. These are not pagans. These are Christian people in a church, a community that the Holy Spirit is speaking to. And it says this, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. Did you know that was in the context of being spoken to Christians? I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Dewey! You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. Oh, this is haunting to me. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You know, and you want to say to God, have you seen my bank account? You won't realize your own poverty. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread, yada, yada, on to the next section that really means something to my life. Oh, forgive us our sins. Which kind of dependent are you? Because the point Jesus is making is that. You need to depend upon me no matter what you have in the cupboard. We've been doing a prayer experiment, an experience every week. And we're going to do one now to end our time together. So I'm going to ask you if you'll stand. And there are three different prayers that I've fashioned that I want to encourage you to use. For those of you who would say, give us this day is the emphasis because you're desperately dependent. Your prayer is, I depend upon you to give me all I need to sustain life this day, Lord, and you keep drilling that truth into your head. For those who would say, give us this day, the prayer of thank you for blessing my hard work and providing so much more than I really need. Now, since I'm aware of my dependence, Direct me to ways and places where there's more day than there is resource for it. Because I want to be your answer to somebody's prayer. Or for those who are in my line. Yada, yada, yada. Oh no, am I there really? Lord, I confess that I have forgotten that I really do depend upon you. Please repaginate me so I can once again be aware that it is you who provides. Let's take just a moment to be silent, and you're going to identify with one or the other of those movements, whichever one you identify with. Give, give us, yada, yada, yada. Pray that prayer. Just be silent. Pray that prayer.